Praise God. This is Eve's Vitals Foundation, EVF, and I still remain Oluchi. I thank you for staying tuned in her June series, right from the step one, where we talked about the keyword lost. And we gave quite a number of definitions on lost and what it entails. And of course, the step two, where we differentiated between natural desires and lust. And we said that natural desires arise from the fact that we are humans and they are not sins in themselves. But when they rule over us, taking priority over God's will, they cause us to violate God's righteousness and they become lost. And we gave examples. We said eating is good and hunger propels you to eat. But when hunger becomes lost for food, when it is taken or where it is taken in excess, it leads to gluttony, which is a sin. And for natural sexual desires, when they turn perverse, they lead to homosexuality, fornication, adultery, and other sexually related sins. And we ended on the note that in contrast to lust, Natural desires were created by God in us and therefore they are good. But when they overpower us in control, they become lost. Further, we talked about the symptoms of the spirit of lust and of course the effects of the of the spirit of lust in the man. Where we said first and most importantly, it causes a disconnectivity between God and man. And it also makes a man unproductive. It also makes a man become a shadow of himself. And it leads to or it opens room for more sins and demonic attacks in the life of a man. And for the step three, we're going to be talking about these three types of lust as God will have us. And for the first, we'll be talking about the lust of the eyes. So without wasting much time, we're going to dive straight in. So for the lust of the eyes, lust of the eyes occurs when we see something visually that incites an intense desire for possession, mostly things we do not own. So Satan uses lust of the eyes as one avenue of the temptations of the heart. So one important thing to note here is that the eye as a part of the human body is the tool being used here by the devil and that's why matthew chapter 6 verse 22 to 23 admonishes us that our eyes be single and it says the eyes are like a lamp for the body if your eyes are sound your whole body will be full of light but if your eyes are of no good your body will be in darkness so if the light in you is darkness how terribly dark will it be so i want you to know that if your eyes are affected both physically and spiritually your whole body and being is put at great risks of corruption and because the eyes are probably the most important symbolic sensory organ they can represent a gateway into the soul so since we perceive up to 80 percent of all impressions by means of our sight this is a call to be cautious of the happenings of the eye. That's why Job made a solemn pledge, promise and covenant with his eyes. He was committed not to let his heart be led by his eyes in Job 31 verse 6 to 7. And he said, Let me be weighed in an even balance that God may know my integrity. 
if my step had turned out of the way and my heart walked after my eyes and if any blood had cleaved to my hands he knew the importance of the eyes to the vulnerability of the heart and that's why in this scenario of the lost of the eyes lost here starts from the eyes what we see straight to the heart by the printing of images and finally if not controlled it yields to actions and some of the properties of the lust of the eyes are jealousy, covetousness, envy, sexual lust, corruptible mindset, greed, and so on. So for the second, the pride of life. For the pride of life, the pride of life is actually a self-confident comparison, a self-pleasure in one's own life. Anything of the world that leads to arrogance, ostentation, pride in self, boasting and self-promotion don't get this wrong with being proud of someone for their achievements or from or from you feeling honored or satisfied or even pleased about a person or even yourself in some cases you could also feel or possess a, a due sense of your worth in relation to self-esteem which is linked to the natural desire to feel appreciated yes but in this scenario or in all these scenarios, your motive is right. So in the two explanations of the word pride, the motive behind it tells whether it is just a feeling of self-worth or feeling to raise oneself above his or her station, dwelling in his or her knowledge to override others and even God. In simpler terms, the feeling of pride or the sense of pride has two sides. It's either good or bad. So having understood this, we're going to look at some properties of the pride of life as a sin. So we have arrogance, we have boasting, we have uncalled and called for rude attitudes. We have the inability to see that you're proud and that's a disbelief. We have um, the rejection of authority. The person is not submissive, the person only values ease or perspective. We have the rejection of unity. The person is consumed by just ease or own interests. And I want you to remember that pride goes before or fall, which is one of the most famous proverbs of life, which was coined from Proverbs 16 verse 18. Yes, and it says, Pride goes, goeth before destruction and an haughty spirit before fall. So this passage of the Bible reveals one of the consequences of pride, which is a fall. And for the third, we're going to be talking about the lust of the flesh. Yes, which is, I wouldn't say it's one of the most important among all, but for the fact that we're treating things confronting the lives of children, teenagers, and youths, this is a very delicate issue. So the lust of the flesh is that temptation to feel physical pleasure from one sinful activity. It is to do something to make your flesh feel satisfied and we rightly said that in our step one it can also involve any type of sinful activity that will bring pleasure to your body and properties of the lust of the flesh includes gossip sexual sins physical violence drug abuse especially hard drugs idolatry hatred uncleanliness and so on and for gossip, I know some of us might be thinking or wondering why gossip is here. But I, when we started this series, I said something that this series is set out to correct a lot of things in us. Down to what we say, things we do, 
how we relate with present and what we think about so in your course always chat with friends and always gist do you think your gist is or your chat thereabout is very pure and not really leading to gossip so it's a call for or it's a call to be cautious about what we see so this is one loss that affects our teenagers and youths today even the elderly as we must see there's so much involved to this as long as we're human and we in one time or the other can't escape these feelings but god has promised never to leave nor forsake us in times like this and he said that in second corinthians chapter 12 verse 9 yes and said and he said unto me my grace is sufficient for thee for my strength is made perfect in weakness most gladly therefore will i rather glory in my infirmities that the power of christ may rest upon me i would like to expand a bit yes so we're going to deal greatly on sexual lust which is a property of the lust of the flesh yes god's design for sexuality was intended for one man and one woman within the bounds of marriage it was his desire all along for sexual intimacy to be shared and enjoyed within marriage and that has not changed but god's intention has been hijacked by the devil and turned much and he has turned much of this desire into a lost issue sexual loss does not include the value of people or god as its center but lies outside the boundaries of god's design so I'll give a definition by guardianangel.com. So it sees sexual loss as the illicit sexual buzz. It's willingly allowing pleasurable gratification of wrongfully directed sexual desires that takes place deep inside. I'm going to take that again. It is willingly allowing pleasurable gratification of wrongfully directed sexual desires that takes place deep inside so i'm going to break this down for us for better understanding so we're going to be picking the keywords in that definition willingly allowing pleasurable gratification and wrongfully directed sexual desire so for willingly allowing it is something we choose to do it is not forced upon us it is giving in to or we give into it maybe it might be triggered by habit without deliberation but it is still a choice on our part pleasurable we enjoy it truth be told the illicit sexual buzz is intensely enjoyable in a way we cannot fully understand the way the human body is being designed merely looking to lost or contemplating sexual activity realizes a pleasurable sexual buzz gratification we recognize when it happens we often claim that we are doing nothing. We might be able to fool others, but we shouldn't fool ourselves. And God is not fooled. Wrongfully directed sexual desire. God created sexual desire and pleasure. But when it comes to lust, we are focusing our attention in a way that it's not right. The sexual buzz is only proper when it is contained within a marriage commitment. This is actually often hard to accept when a person is in bondage of lust they often look for a way to justify since god created sexual desires it is normal and it is okay for them to roam but they forget that it only doesn't stop in the desire 
if not contained, it results to actions and the properties of sexual lust are sexual addition, addictions, sorry, with thoughts and actions. Masturbation, usually in two ways. Basically, imaginary figure, where you just think of a person, known or unknown, and even sometimes with objects. Pornography, ungodly sexual habits, like homosexuality, and so on. I know some persons might feel it is normal if you're married to lust after one's spouse. And yeah, most times, sexual loss is mistaken for natural sexual desire. We're married, so any sexual thoughts I have about my spouse is not a sin because it is confided within the four walls of marriage. Hmm. This was actually warned against in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3 to 6. And the emphasis was laid on in verse 4 to 5. Yes, and I'm going to read that very quickly. And it says, God wants us to be holy and completely free from sexual immorality. Each of you men should know how to live with your wife in a holy and honorable way, not with a lustful desire, like the heathen who do not know God. In this matter, then, no man should do wrong to his fellow Christian or take advantage of him. We have told you this before, and we strongly warn you that the Lord punish those who do that. Yes, so even if you're married, you're not permitted to have lustful thoughts or desires towards your spouse. And I'm going to end on this note for the step three, that the motive behind all explained lost here matters the motive is what proves whether it is a natural desire or it is lost so please be careful yes and i pray that the holy spirit waters these words in our hearts and it nourishes us in jesus name and for those who are not cautious about what they think things they do things they say and how they act. Lord, we ask, O oh God, that you guide them rightly. In Jesus' name, amen. So stay tuned for the step four, where, which is the last episode in this series for June, where we're going to be talking about ways to avoid and overcome lust. I want you to have a blessed week and a blessed day ahead. Shalom.